Welcome to Sunday Morning at Faith Assembly, featuring the ministry of Senior Pastor Phil Goss. We're glad you've joined us. When I get a little bit of pa- a bit, bit passionate about the things that I'm speaking about, I tend to uh, speak faster and louder. Uh, Shelley, who's my, my best critic, and I mean that in a good way, she tells me what I need to do. Thank you, honey. Has told me I need to slow down a bit and take it easy, but if I get a little... If I get a little bit passionate about it tonight, you'll just know that that is. I'm passionate about everything, past all of this art. I want you to know that when we stand up here, we take very seriously the, 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 the responsibility that God has given us to speak on his behalf. And it's, it's humbling and it's scary sometimes. And I have a word for you tonight. And as I always say when I start these things out, my intention is not to browbeat you or to come across as critical or self-righteous, but to lift you. Because everything that God does and every time he calls to us, he calls us so that we can be blessed, so that we can be changed, so that we can become more like Jesus, Right? So is it okay if I step on your toe accidentally tonight? Yeah, half of you, yeah, and the rest of you, we'll find out how well you're going to do that. I, wanna, I, I don't have a lot of notes tonight because the, the principle behind this is pretty simple. But I want to start by reading to you a, a really strange story that's right smack dab in the middle of the Old Testament, 2 Kings 6. The company of the prophets said to Elisha, remember Elisha is Elijah's replacement, Look, the place where we meet with you is too small for us. Let us go to Jordan where each of us can get a pole, and what they really mean is a big pole, and let us build a place there for us to meet. And he, Elisha, said, go. Then one of them said, well, won't you please come with your servants? I will, Elisha replied. Man, a few words, I guess, every once in a while. And he went with them. They went to the Jordan River and began to cut down trees. As one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. Oh no, my Lord, he cried out. It was borrowed. In other words, it's, it's not even mine. Verse 6, the man of God asked, where did it fall? And when he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick and threw it there and made the iron, the axe head, float. Lift it out, he said, and then the man reached in his hand, and he took it. Isn't that a crazy story? Bible scholars have have tried to figure this one out for a long time. It is one of several stories, it's placed kind of in the middle, of stories that tell about the miracle working power that Elisha enjoyed during his ministry, and some of them will tell you that's all this is really about. It's just another one of those confirming miracles that showed that Elisha had the power of God, and it may be that simple. And we have to be very, very careful not to try to read too far into things and make stuff up. And you could make up a whole bunch of stuff out of this story. And I'm going to try not to do that, but rather, rather to explain it, to use it as an example, use it as an illustration of a deeper spiritual truth that I believe we can take from that. I believe that uh, for tonight, for our purposes, this story is about a story about the church, about the story of the church. The, the context of it is that Elisha has what's, a, for all intents and purposes, a school of ministry for other prophets. And they ran out of space, and they needed bigger, a bigger place. And so they came to him and said, hey, 
how about we go out and cut down some trees and build a bigger place for us? And why don't you come with us? And you know the rest of the story. He said that he would. So I want to explain a few things to you tonight. And then I want to suggest to you that we can learn something from this and be changed by this if we will listen to the Spirit of God. So I'm going to give you a sneak peek spoiler about this story. I'm going to tell you what all the pieces mean first, and then we're going to go back and unpack it. Here's the, here's the thing. The prophet Elisha represents, the teacher represents Jesus in this picture. The, the company of prophets represent the average Joe church member, the, 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 the body of Christ, the people who make up the body of Christ. And the axe head speaks to us about the power and the anointing and the enabling of the Holy Spirit. So hold on while we take a look at how this all works together, because really I believe that uh, for our purposes tonight, this is a message for all who have known the power of God in their serving of the Lord and their living for the Lord, but who now have become ineffective, who may have lost something that they had, or worse, because of it, are just sitting idly by and doing nothing. Did I say I was going to step on your toes tonight? With all the love in my heart. The Bible refers to people like that, certainly no one in this room. In 2 Timothy 3, they will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. Uh, what the genesis of this was actually was that I was uh, on Facebook, and I'm, there's, a, uh, there's a, a Facebook page, a group of Assemblies of God ministers, and they write things. What do you believe about this? How does your church handle that? And there's all sorts of things that, they will, that they'll do, and guys respond and everything else. And I read one this morning that was a little bit disconcerting to me. I, I felt very, very badly about it, especially when I came to find out that that's a lot of the replies that, were, that, that came after it were, you know what, I'm walking through that too. This is what they said. This is a pastor of a church in Anchorage, Alaska. And he says, I'm pretty sure that our church will close by the end of the year. We're constantly doing outreaches and events of every type of media platform. We took the church over a year and a half ago with six people and have 18 people solid, but that's not enough to cover the bills. We, by that I think he means his wife and he, we don't get paid and we can't find anyone to take teens or uh, kids or teenagers. And right now I, actually I think it's the pastor's wife, right now I'm doing kids and rotating preaching. We are burnt out and feel alone. Our church members have no excitement. They are all introverts. Sorry, introverts. We've tried to introduce excitement, and nothing happens, and we are at a loss. We've tried teaching meaningful things, and nobody wants to do it. We are so confused and lost about what to do. Isn't that sad? Isn't that sad? I mean, my heart goes out to a guy like that, but I think in part what we just read has to do something with that. Because what does a pastor do when the people of his church, and by the way, please, I'm not suggesting that's the kind of church that we have. Although if the shoe fits, you can laugh at that. But, but what do we do? What does the church do when it's filled with a bunch of people who, who are not living victorious, overcoming, productive Christian lives? What if Moses hadn't agreed to go and tell Pharaoh to let God's people go? What if the prophets gave in to their reluctance, and many of them were reluctance, and just didn't warn people on behalf of God? 
what would have happened? What if, what would the cost have been if Jesus himself didn't humble himself and follow the directive of the Father and come here and redeem all of us? What does God do when his people don't respond to his calling? What might the spiritual tab be if you, if I, if we refuse God's call? And here's the answer, and it's a scary one. Revelation 22. I know all the things you do. He speak, that's Jesus speaking to the church. He said, I've seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You've examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but aren't. And you've discovered that they're liars. And you have patiently suffered for me without quitting. In other words, good job. I see the good things. But, he says in verse 4, I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you've fallen. Turn back to me and do the works that you did at first. Because if you don't turn, if you don't repent, if you don't change and come back, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. It doesn't mean you aren't going to go to heaven. What it means is God will come and take away the influence of a church when his people have lost their first love individually and collectively, and it's a serious thing. So what should a church do when it has become lethargic? If, if you go with my premise and what I want in a church, which is that we don't go to church, we are the church, thank you. We don't go to church, we are the church. Then all of this rests on us to fix with the help of the Holy Spirit. And so we, we want to do all that we can to move God's church forward here in North Fort Myers. Yes? Good, you're with me so far. So let's talk a little bit about what was going on in this, in this story, a little bit more detail. School of Prophets is growing. They need a bigger space. They go and they, they decide they're going to go cut down some trees. They call them poles, but it was trees to be made into poles to build, I guess, I don't know, a pole barn or something. And they all went out, and each of the students was to cut down a beam and bring their own beam with them. In other words, Elisha is saying, without saying it, we have a job to do, we have a school to build, we have a ministry to undertake, and everybody needs to contribute their effort, cutting down trees, and their provision, the tree itself, and together, we're going to build this thing. Does that sound basically how a church should work? Yeah. It does. So they did it. They set about doing it. And things were going pretty good. It's a picture of godly people working together. Second Kings 6. Let us go, we pray thee, unto Jordan and take, this is in the King James, and take thence every man, each one of us, a beam. And let us make us a place there so that we may dwell. So that we may learn. So that we may do the things that we're called to do. Here's here's a basic principle. It's not the pastor's job to do the work of the church. We don't hire him to do things, right? Well, what do we do? Well, what we do is is in Ephesians 4, 7. God's given each one of us a special gift, a grace. In other words, something we didn't merit. That's why the word grace is in there. Through the generosity of Christ. Now, these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, Apostles, those are sent ones. They would be modern-day missionaries and, and people who go out and start churches. Prophets, P 
people who speak on behalf of God. Every time Pastor Goss stands up here and speaks on behalf of God, he's operating in a, in a prophetic realm. Evangelists, people who go and tell the good news of the kingdom. And pastors, shepherds, and teachers, people who help you to understand what the Bible says. Their responsibility, that group of people, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Every one of you in this place is a minister. You're a minister. Three of you so far. Everyone in this place is a minister. The ministry is yours. Our job, my job, pastor's job, our job is to teach you, equip you, enable you, and you're supposed to do the work of the ministry. And that's how it gets done. Don't some of you help to do the work of the ministry? Yes. Yeah. So it's working the way it's supposed to be doing. So Elisha and his guys are a great picture at this point of how the church is supposed to work. The only way that we're going to build the church for God is that we all get behind it and do what we need to do. And God has given us all gifts and talents and abilities for furthering the cause of the ministry. If or when we don't use those tools, if or when we become discouraged, if or when we become lethargic and we fail to continue to do and to take part in the Lord's work, we've lost our axe head. One of the guys in that group went to work and the axe head, he's chopping away and the axe head went flying off. Now, Pastor Nate is the guy who has all the really cool props. So don't laugh at mine, but I brought my little prop tonight. Believe it or not, that's an axe. And these guys went out, and what does, what does all of the work on an, on an axe? The axe head, right? What happens if you lose, as they did in this, in this scripture verse, what do you got? A stick. All you can do is beat trees, trees to death with it when you lose the axe head. And so he was out there working. To his credit, he was working. But why would the axe head come off? Well, I'm glad that you asked that question. An axe head, the more that it's used and not kept sharp will dull. And when it dulls, it doesn't do its job. And then it becomes prone to slipping off the end of the axe handle. And so this may very well be a picture of a man who did not take care of this borrowed axe that he had. He did not keep it right. And as he began to work, the axe head, through his misuse, through his neglect, fell off. And what was he now able to do? Nothing. Nothing. So What we need to remember is God has given each of us an axe and there will be a day when we must account for what we did with that. You and I will have to give an account with what tools God's given us, what resources he's given us, what opportunities he's placed before us. And this is what the Bible says about that day, 2 Corinthians 5, it's in your notes. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil bad, really, of what we have done in this earthly body, each of us. 1 Corinthians 3, but on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value, and if the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. He will be saved but he'll be saved like somebody barely escaping through a wall of flames. So God has given you an ax. God has given you something to do for the kingdom of God, and he's going to want 
a return on that acts, and he's going to count, hold us accountable for what we have done. Every believer gets an axe, spiritually speaking, when they're saved. The day that you were saved, the Holy Spirit, who is the axe, the empowerment helps us to do what we need to do, is placed in each believer at the point of salvation. Look at Acts 1.8 in your notes. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. He's not talking to one person. He's talking to all of us, all of you, or as they say in the South, all of y'all will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And when he does, the power that you receive will enable you to be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, let me make this distinction, because I'm about to tell you that when the, axe head, the, the picture of the axe head flying off is where the Holy Spirit is no longer empowering you and using you. But I want to make this distinction. The Holy Spirit will never leave you. The Bible's very, very clear. Holy Spirit is placed inside of you, never to leave you. All the way up into, in fact, one of these days when you die and your spirit rises up out of your body, guess who's going with you? The Holy Spirit, because things will change on the day. So I am not for one moment implying that the Holy Spirit will ever lose you or leave you. But what I'm telling you is the effectiveness that he gives us, the accomplishing power that he gives us can be diminished in our lives if we are not careful. When we grieve the Holy Spirit through repeated sin, what do you think the Holy Spirit's going to do the hundredth time that you do that thing over and over again? The Holy Spirit is, is grieved. The Holy Spirit is quenched, the Bible said. The fire of the Holy Spirit is quenched when we don't follow his leading, when we don't obey when he tells us to do what we're supposed to do, when we don't allow him to manifest his power through us. Does that make sense? He's there but we've offended him, we've quenched him, we've limited him, we've bound him through our inactivity, through our willful sin, through our repeated ignoring of him. And what do we expect is going to happen? You're going to lose the accent, the very thing that allows you to accomplish the purpose of God that he's given to you. In other words, I lost the accent when that comes in my life. That guy, the guy who did that was careless if the axe had been sharp, it would have plunged into the heart of the tree and it would have cut and would have accomplished what it needed to do. And a dull axe will bounce off of a tree. And it did. And the axe head went into the river. An axe head does not come loose all at once. It takes time after time after time and it works its way loose and it goes. And the impeding of the Holy Spirit in your life doesn't just happen all of a sudden. It comes from that time after time after time after time, not allowing him to live through us. If we don't keep the axe sharp, if we become complacent, and if we are unaware, worse of all, that we're even unaware that it's dulling, we too will gradually lose our spiritual empowerment and effectiveness because we're responsible for the things that God gives us. Does that make sense? See, you, I, I don't want you to feel bad about this because you're all getting real quiet on me right now. And I know you're sitting there thinking, yeah, he thinks, he thinks I'm a slacker. He thinks I'm a, no, I'm not saying that. What I'm doing is I, I want to encourage us not to allow ourselves to get to that point. I'm not saying anybody's there. In fact, none of you, is anybody? No, I'm just kidding. So, so we too will gradually lose our spiritual empowerment or our influence. So what do we do? 
Because you can, it can happen to you and you don't even know it. It happened to the guy with his axe and he didn't even know it. It got duller and duller until it just flew off. It worked its way loose and he didn't even know that that was happening. There are many examples of that happening and a really great one is Samson. Look at Judges 16 in your notes. Then she, Delilah, cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. And he woke up and he thought, I'll do as before and I'll shake myself free. But he didn't realize that the Lord had left him. I say to you again, the Lord will not leave you, but you can, you can lose the influence and the empowering and the anointing of the Holy Spirit through your neglect, through your continual sin, and that's one of the things that happens to churches, and I'm not judging the church that I read to you about, but one of the things that happens in a people is that they become complacent. When they choose, as it sounded like that, to not do what God has called them to do, God will say, okay, okay. I'll leave you and I'll go to the Baptist church down the road and I'll give them an opportunity to do great things for me. That's how it works. Anybody here want that to happen? No, me neither. So let's, let's talk about how we keep it from happening or if it has happened, what do we do about it? First of all, Elisha said, take me there. Show me where you lost that ax head. Let's go back to the place where you lost it. We have to revisit where we lost where we lost what God has given to us, where we, through our repeated sin or our loss of faith or our laziness or our care, the cares of the world or allowing ourselves to be conformed to the world instead of to Christ, we have to go back to that place to discover where we lost what we lost. That's the first place. That's where we start. Verse 6 is how it happened. The, the man of God, Elisha, asked, where did it fall? And when the servant showed him the place, Elisha, it says, cut a stick and threw it in there and made the iron float. Now, one of the things I love about modern translations is that it's very, very hard to translate Old Hebrew. And I prefer, not that I'm some great scholar, but I prefer the translation, not that he cut a stick, but he cut a, it says he cut a tree, actually, many times. The fact is uh, that word is translated more times as tree than as stick. So to me, what it sounds like is Elisha went and he cut down a tree and he threw it into the river. Now, whether it's a stick or a tree is immaterial. A stick or a tree doesn't make iron float, does it? Doesn't cause it to, to defy the laws of gravity or flotation, but it did. S if you, if you want to, if you're willing to go there with me, what did Jesus die on? A tree. The cross was made out of a tree, out of wood. And so if we're using this as an illustration, as an example, and that's all that it is tonight, then part of the solution to finding what we lost is to go back and invite Jesus into a divine encounter with us so that we can be refilled, re-empowered, re-enabled by the spirit that he gave to us. Could you do that? Simple, right? So we go back to the place where we've lost what we've, what we've lost. We invite the Almighty to come in, and through the cross of Jesus, we look for a miraculous encounter with the Lord to get that back. Here's the big lesson. We don't get that back by trying harder. You can't live the Christian life by trying harder. You can't. You can't. In fact, God doesn't even ask you to do that. Try harder. God, I've sinned for the hundredth time. Oh, try harder. God doesn't say that. What God says is, 
be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Get in my word. Allow me to change you and transform you. Come back to that place where you lost what you had. Shelly and I had a discussion today. I'm sorry, honey, you are so sweet for letting me talk about you every, every time I preach. Shelly got saved in college, and she went around witnessing to everybody. Everybody, right? Her family, her friends. It was just like, hey, have you heard about Jesus? Hey, did you know you could be saved? And that was Shelly when she first got saved. Now, there came a point, and this happens to all of us, by the way, and that's why I'm not putting Shelly on the spot, but we all have to admit there comes a point where the excitement of that first encounter with the Lord kind of wears off, doesn't it? We don't witness like we used to. And we're, we're not having these encounters, these Holy Spirit encounters with people like we used to. That's an example of losing the axe head in our lives. I've lost the axe head more than once in my life. How many other would raise your hand and say, yep, me too? Thank you. Ten of us have an honest heart tonight. We do. We do. It can happen to anybody, and it can happen to us without even being aware. But when we're made aware, when we are made aware, there are answers. There are things that we can do. We go back to the place where we lost it. We have an encounter with Jesus and ask him to forgive us and cleanse us and restore in us the Holy Spirit and the power of that. We don't try harder. Number one, out of the scripture, we admit it. We're honest. I lost it. The servant came to Elisha and said, I lost the ax. I admit it. I have lost, lost it. I don't have what I used to have. I, I don't have the ability that I used to have, the tools that I relied on. I've allowed to go away, and I need help, and I need to get back on track. Number two, remember, remember where the ax came from. The servant said, I borrowed it. It's not even mine. All that you have, every, every gift that you have, all the empowerment that you have isn't yours. It's from the Holy Spirit. So remember where it comes from. Do you need it? So remember where it comes from. Where does the power come from to do what it is that we want to do? It comes from the Holy Spirit. And we will give an accounting of it. Number three, admit it. Ask for help. The Bible says confess your sins one to another. Can you imagine? I, we had a guy who was on our staff in North Carolina, and he'd walk in in the morning, you know, just walking into the office. Hey, Jim, how's it going? How's things going? You know what? He'd say, my devotional life was really crummy today. You know, in fact, it's been crummy lately. I don't know what's going on. I'm having a hard time praying. He'd just tell you. He would just tell you. And, and you know, what's really funny is that I was kind of thinking the same thing, but I never would have told it. Why not? Because of pride. So admit it, acknowledge it, confess it to somebody. You know, I'm really struggling with this. I had a conversation with a man today, you know, who's, who's had an on again, off again with pornography. And I said, what are you, how are you doing with that? And he said, you know, I'm, I'm actually doing okay. I said, well, what's your plan? How are you? I've got people who, are, who keep me accountable. They call me every day and ask me how I'm doing. And I'm honest with them and I do it. Confess your sins to one another. Why? So that you may pray for one another and be healed. Friends, do you covet, do you wish for an amazing Christian life that produces fruit enough to be honest with someone and confess your faults so they can pray with you and get rid of those so you don't lose the ax head? That's one of the ways that we do it. Be honest. Remember where it came from. Ask for help. Return to where we lost it. And then number five, find it again through an encounter with the cross, through an encounter with the divine. Come back to the cross of Jesus. That's where you first received the Holy Spirit and his empowerment. Revelation 2.5 says, turn back to me and do the works that you did at first. You remember Samson? We talked about him earlier. 
He got, he got up. He didn't even know that the Spirit had left him. But how does the story of Samson end? Samson came to his, to his right mind, and he realized that the power had left him, and he wanted to, in his case, for one last time, wanted to do something for God. So he repented, and he asked God to fill him anew. Do you remember? He said, God, fill me with your spirit one more time, and let me die with the Philistines. Now, I don't want to die with the Philistines, but I wouldn't mind as I need it, whenever it's necessary for the Lord to refill me and re-enable me and re-empower me with what I need to do to please him and accomplish him, especially in the times when I come to the realization that through my own sin, through my own neglect, through my own activity, I've lost the ax head and I need to get it back. I don't know where you are tonight. I'm not wanting anybody to feel guilty. So let's proceed on this assumption. All of us, all of us lose the axe head from time to time. Maybe that's the place where you are tonight. Or maybe you just don't ever want to get there. And you want to ask for the Lord's help to keep you sharp, to help you not to lose what it is that he's given to you. But a church only proceeds forward when it is empowered by the Holy Spirit. When our axe is cutting the wood and we have all that we need to accomplish by the power of the Holy Spirit what God wants us to do. You want that tonight, generally speaking? Then I'm going to ask you to do something that we get uncomfortable about and we don't do in this church very often. John, go ahead and roll that beautiful music. I'm going to ask you to stand right where you are. I'm not going to embarrass anybody, but I'm going to give you an opportunity to take a step of faith toward God. By coming tonight, every believer, by, by coming tonight, you are not saying to all the rest of the world, I've lost my ax and I'm sorry. We're not saying that. But what we're saying is, if I have, I want it back. I want to find it. I want, I want God to restore that in me. If we're on the edge and we know we need to make some changes, we come tonight and we say, I want God to do a work in me, empower me, and help me not to lose what I've got, and to please him, and to have something to show for my life when I get that. Maybe you're here tonight, and you haven't taken the first step, and you need to make Jesus Lord of your life. There's no perfect, no more perfect time to do it than right now. As the music is playing, I want to invite everybody to just come on up at the front. I'm going to join you here. Come on down. Just move from where you are. I know some of you have to stay in your seats. You can't get up. It's okay. But for those of you who can, as, a, as an act of faith, moving toward God, saying through your coming forward, God, I want, I want to get the exit back in my life. I want to be refilled and renewed and re-empowered and recalled by your spirit so that I, so that we, who don't go to church, but who are the church, can be the church and walk forward in the anointing of the Holy Spirit and do what God has called us to do. While you're doing that, can I just say something? Because I, I hear things, and I know you don't think that I do, but I do. We do. I know that there are some people who are concerned because, you know, our, our children's pastor is leaving, and we're getting a new one, and Pastor Sam is leaving, and we don't know who's going to take his place. Pastor Mark left, and we don't know who's going to take his place. And it's very easy to become fearful and say, what is going on? What is happening in this church? We need, to, we need to go somewhere else. Can I tell you something? There are a group of people who meet up here. We did it tonight. We do it before every service. I hope you'll become a part of that group. It's not a special group in the sense that you have to be a part of it. You're all a part of it. We meet up here to pray the blessing of God and the presence of God and the power of God before every service. I hope you'll come and join us. But do you know what? If God has heard our prayer for revival 
for, for change, for, for great things to come, for a reawakening and everything else, then the people who are leaving us are not leaving us because they're bad or because we don't deserve them. They're leaving us because God rearranges people and brings a new mix in so he can accomplish a new work through the people that he's called to do it. Whew, I see you agree with me on that one. So please don't feel bad about it. Share the good news with, with everybody. It's a setup, friends, because God's going to do something new, and he's bringing in the right people to help us to do it. And he's blessing the ones who go, and God wants to do great things. So I don't know about you, but I need my axe head put back on and secured and sharpened and everything else. So right now tonight, if that's you and you want it, will you just lift a hand or both hands in a receiving position, and let's pray. Lord, tonight we are here because we want to receive from you anew and afresh the Holy Spirit who was placed in us when we believed, whose anointing has empowered us to do as much as we have. But God, we want to do more. In the days ahead, if we are going to be the church and not just go to church, then we need we need to be restored. We need a, a fresh empowerment of your spirit. We, we need a new enabling of your Holy Spirit. And God, we confess tonight, sometimes through our own sin, through our own neglect, through our own willfulness. Lord, sometimes for just being lazy, Lord, we have quenched the Spirit and we have grieved the Spirit and we have lost some of what we need in order to accomplish your purpose and your will. So here we are tonight, God. We've, we've humbled ourselves. We've walked to the front of this room in front of all of our friends, not too proud to say, God, we need you today. God, we want what you want. We know that one day we will be accountable. You will ask us what we did with the gifts that you gave us, with the church that you sent us to. And God, we don't want to come empty-handed, let alone come back without the acts that you gave to us and loaned to us. So tonight, Lord, in this place, forgive us. Make us vessels fit for your habitation. Make us vessels fit for your Holy Spirit. God, open our ears to once again hear what the Spirit is saying. God, touch our hearts that we might obey what you are saying to us through your Spirit. Empower us, enable us. God, give us the accomplishing dunamis power of your Holy Spirit anew and afresh. And may it fill all of us in this room. Lord, to empower us to be your witnesses, to empower us to use the gifts that you gave us, to empower you and allow you to manifest through us every single time that you want to do it. God, we want what you want. We're weak, we're lazy, we sin. God, forgive us and help us, help us to regain, to find the ax head so that we can continue the work, to keep from losing the ax head if we're close to it. God, so we can continue to do the work. And God, to have the acts, the power of the Holy Spirit, so that we can accomplish great things in the days ahead. God, we do pray for revival. We do pray for revival. We pray for a great awakening in this church, in Lee County, even in the people who are watching on the internet. God, may your spirit flow through us and through them, and God, accomplish great things in this time. God, we're not looking backwards. We're looking forward. We're not feeling like we've lost anything. We're looking with grateful anticipation and excitement about what you're going to do next, and we want to go with you and do that together, and we need your help, and we need your spirit. We need our acts tonight. And we ask you, Lord, to do that work in us. We receive it tonight. We receive it with gratitude. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us for tonight's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. 
If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. We also gather on Sunday mornings at 8.15 and 10.45 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next time for Wednesday night at Faith Assembly. Faith Assembly's Wednesday night is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.